This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. We will also explore threats to meaningful engagement in sport and movement culture practices and ask questions about what we can learn about the human condition through our involvement in sport. The guests are leading scholars in human and social sciences of sport who share their explorations in a scholarly as well as a personal context. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. In today's episode, we will explore how meaning in life and meaning in sport might be interrelated and the psychological approaches that might help us understand meaning in sport. I'm very excited to introduce today's guest. He has fairly recently completed his doctoral dissertation in the field of sports psychology at Florida State University, which focused on meaning in sport and its relationship to athlete burnout. He has also done the very important work of developing the first questionnaire to study meaning in sport, which facilitates further study in this emerging research area. In addition to this, He's also a professional water skier and a coach, and he has a very popular water skiing podcast himself. And so his interest in meaning in sport is much more than simply an intellectual exercise. So welcome, Matteo Luzeri, and I'm really happy to have you here today. Wow, Nora, I'm flattered by this introduction. Thank you for having me. First of all, I have to say congratulations for completing your dissertation in March this year. Was it hard work? Oh, for sure. Uh, thank you. It, it was definitely like the completion of the degree was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, just by the sheer amount of, uh, work, length, um, time away from some of the things I, I enjoy doing. So no, for sure. It was a lot of hard work, but never, um, how can I say never, taunting work, like uh, the passion behind trying to answer some questions that I posed myself years ago was, you know, was enough to fuel my efforts. Hmm. And so we met in a FEPSA conference last summer and, and I was really excited that our presentations were put together in the same session and the session was given the title sport and meaning or something like that. What was the title? I think it was, um, quality of life and meaning in sports, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And that's the first time in, in my academic life that when I've submitted something, it actually made to a, a session that is focused on meaning in sports. So I, I think that was really exciting. And uh, so, so I agree. I, I was excited too when I received the conference program and saw that title. Um, I, it, was, it, was, it was a very sweet moment. Mm. So in, in sports psychology, 
I think there aren't so many people out there who are doing this. So at least we have a slowly growing number of, of people who are doing this work. Low so, ends, but important ends. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can just uh, start by sharing a little bit about what was the idea behind your research and how did you get into this topic area? Oh, sure. I, it's, uh, it's a historical, uh, I guess, story, but basically I... I moved to the US, I, com I competed collegiately, started my master's degree in experimental psychology at UL Lafayette, and was always fascinated by existential philosophy. Uh, always had, uh, during my courses in high school and in, uh, and in undergraduate, uh, the existential movement in philosophy always fascinated me. And, I'm, and I managed to convince a clinical psychology professor at UL to put together a seminar about existential psychology and it was a very well crafted seminar we did a third of the seminar about existential philosophy one third about applied existential psychology and a third about experimental existential psychology and the final project was a little conference that we organized in the in the department where we had to present a project and i sort of was exposed to the research in meaning in life, saw something about meaningful work and pur purposeful work and toiled around with the idea of have, like, what if there is a sense of purpose and meaning for athletes? Like what if they perceive that their craft has some kind of meaning that goes beyond uh, mere motivation? And that sort of stayed there. Like I, I presented it, like some friends and colleagues at, you know, something to say about it. And then when I moved to my PhD, at first I was going to do completely unrelated research. Um, I was interested in imagery and uh, the pet lab model. I, th I thought I was going to uh, try to s bring more support to it. And then I kept going back to, to Frankel um, and other authors, Yalom, and eventually the idea of taking dust away from that presentation that happened three years prior um, came about. And so I, I started really researching that. Yeah, and I, I think that was, we have a lot of research already on these different areas, but when it comes to meaning in sport or meaningful sport, your your PhD dissertation is is the first one that has actually centralized the concept and really worked around that. So I think that was... Uh, good for for the research community that we have something that is this very new and and kind of opening up this new field of research also in sports psychology like obviously we have philosophical work and some sociological work but sports psychology uh, there isn't much except for what you mentioned existential psychology and mark nesty who who was my phd supervisor has this uh, book on existential psychology and he would be the pioneer in in that approach and i can tell you that that book uh i like the the ink out of the pages is consumed <laughs> like i i've read it so many times in preparation for my my preliminary studies and then eventually for my dissertation study uh mm. no that was a lot, a lot of the ideas, and also the like a, an effort when you when you don't have a lot of literature to base yourself on, the challenge becomes finding structure. And you know, a few of your articles, a few of uh, Mark's articles, and especially his book, really helped me 
sort of organize my ideas a little bit better. But yeah, well, thank you so much. Like uh, mm. if, if my work opens anything up, I'd be, I'd be very stoked. Yeah, well, I would say having read your dissertation that for somebody who wants to be studying meaning in sport or meaningful sport, that is a good starting point to kind of set the scene of what, what's out there. So I think you already talked about the foundational work in, of uh, Frankl and, and Yalom that would be uh, within the psychological perspective. So let's start digging into this idea about meaning in life or meaningful life. What are they saying about that? Where do well, we start? Well, I think Frankl is always a good place to start. Um, as you know, Frankl claimed um, famously that what allowed him to survive the concentration camp in Auschwitz was the fact that he had a purpose in life. And he, for himself specifically, he claimed to be this book that he wanted to write and that he couldn't finish writing before he was uh, put in the concentration camp. And he was already a, a psychiatrist at the time of his um, confinement in the camp. And he really realized through his experience that what kept him alive and what kept some of his uh, like fellow comrades like alive was the fact that they had a purpose. Now, he defined this purpose as uh, a call, a deed, a relationship, but anything that goes um, beyond mere drives uh, like Freud was claiming, or uh, just some kind of reward and punishment patterns uh, like, say, Skinner or Watson were claiming. And his research sparked a bit of interest in the early 60s, but, but then really didn't, didn't take off again until, uh, let's say, the early 2000s, where positive psychology movement uh, arose, famously with Selig Seligman and Csikszentmihalyi, and then at that time, the idea of a purposeful life or uh, a meaningful life really reemerged in the research. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that up until then, despite this gap of research in meaning in life, a lot of practitioners and a lot of therapists were um, using the, the, t the teachings of Frankl and, say, Yalom as well, uh, to provide therapy to, to patients and clients. But in terms of research, there was that little bit of a 20, 30 year gap where the, where trying to understand uh, meaning in life empirically really didn't happen. I guess that, that mm, could be a good yeah, introduction. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good introduction. And now I think what we are witnessing is uh, really a surge in, in interest in meaning. So, if we look at um, contexts of work, well, you already mentioned meaningful work. That's that's one of the really big topics at the moment. But also in health psychology that we are talking about human health and, and having this sense of purpose and meaning in life is, is very vital for our, our well-being as well. So maybe you can talk a little bit about these sources of meaning in life. So what are these different things that make life meaningful you mentioned frankl already what what would be some other approaches to that question well there have been some empirical approaches in the 60s in terms of trying to understand what might bring 
purpose and meaning in someone's life. And so the idea of sources came about. And um, there have been some empirical questions, like some questionnaires and, and scales being developed to try to assess what, where, let, let's, let's use where uh, people might draw meaning from. And it appears that cross-culturally, despite of ages, human relationships seem to be the most prevalent source of meaning in life. However, there, there are some interesting uh, findings that differentiate um, m- pr- uh, sources of meaning in life across the lifespan. And so it appears that er- at early ages, so say uh, young adults or teenagers, um, things like personal growth or um, leisure uh, or eudaimonic happiness, if one may say, can seem to provide more meaning in life to this population, to this younger population, um, as opposed to, say, a more uh, older population, so say middle and especially late adulthood, where, um, let's say, giving back or uh, spirituality seem to be sources that um, provide more meaning in life in that specific population. Um, so there are some differences across lifespan. There are, uh, I would say, not as well investigated differences cross-culturally, um, but these, these sources um, seem to be, like, let's, let's put it this way, looking at sources of meaning seems like a, a viable and sensical approach, right? So where would someone draw meaning from? Um, and it appears that relationships, human relationships, um, are the biggest source. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, if you look at this meaningful work literature, and and then you are thinking about meaningful sport in in your own work, how do you see the relationship between those two things? So, is meaningful works literature something that is very useful or do you think there's something specific in sport that we might want to consider so that's a very interesting question when i came across the meaningful work literature it actually almost validated my idea that you could think of meaning in a more specific way right Mm. Uh, so if we look at or or main domain specific uh, so if you look at life, there's the whole uh, existential idea of thrownness. So you didn't choose to be alive. You found yourself in this state, meaning being a person that is alive. Um, and so what the what existential psychology would say is that, well, then in order to be healthy, let's say, you have to tackle the idea of what that life means to you. Now, work is not as, you're not thrown into work. I mean, I'm sure that there are uh, situations in which someone has to find a job or accept a job that someone might not like, but you can get out of your job. You can also be alive without a job. So the fact that there is a bit more almost volition into it and that there was a, a growing and expanding literature on a domain specific meaning made me hopeful that, well, maybe there could be an empirical research line on another domain. 
and the mm. domain that I was interested in was sport. Now, I had endless conversations with my PhD advisor, Dr. Chow, on what, like obviously probed by him, as on what are the differences between work and sport. And interestingly enough, the more I would try to find differences, the more he would bring me back to what made them common, right? So, uh-huh. so for instance, if you think about uh, a competitive athlete uh, in terms of time commitments, um, specificity of relationships, if I may say, there are a lot of similarities between work and sport. And I made the case in my dissertation that some people even happen to have their sport as their job, whether it is mm-hmm. because they make money out of it and sustain themselves as like professional athletes, or they are collegiate athletes, think more of like the USA, um, I guess, system where they might not be receiving money, but they receive advantages like uh, in education by virtue of their athletic performances. Mm. Or even just amateur athletes that um, might not be, their sport might not be professional, but they compete in the Olympic Games. So they they dedicate a huge part of their life trying to get ready uh, for these events. So the more I, I try to compare, the more it seemed to me that the similarities between work and sport justified looking at this domain, uh, spe- domain-specific meaning. Uh, mm. more than the differences that I could find. Yeah, I, I also agree, based on my explorations, that I think there is a lot in the meaningful work literature that we can probably at least draw on to kind of put some ideas out there and see how and how they work in a sport context, so to say. Yeah. But so I think one of the things that I found a bit of, I'm not sure how to think about that, this kind of, in the meaningful work literature, it's very consistently comes through that it's important for people that the work is making some kind of positive contribution to the society or it's somehow making the world a better place. And so people don't want to have a job that they don't see that it makes a positive difference or if it makes like no difference in the society. So even if you're having good time, but it doesn't seem to contribute to anything, then it might not be very meaningful. So if we think of like the classic vocations, like being a teacher or being a doctor, those are kind of the helping others, making world a better place professions. But then when it comes to sport and a lot of athletes or in my qualitative interviews, they were saying that they've actually felt that sport is quite a selfish activity, that you are focused on yourself. Actually, you are away from your family, you're prioritizing your own needs instead of the needs of others. So in some ways, the fact that you are doing sport doesn't seem to have any clear benefit for the others or for the society. So I was wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, my... My thoughts are jumping like crazy as you as you provided this good uh, difference. Uh, I think the first thought I have is I find it very interesting that athletes, how can I say? And I know it's a small part of the population, but like let's say those athletes who make it to some kind of like uh, media attention, that they often use that outlet to 
provide to promote some kind of uh, non-sport related cause that they believe in. Mm. Um, and then I, I'd be interested in in wondering whether that specific aspect, meaning using their popularity to promote something they care about, becomes a way in which they feel their sport is meaningful. Um, now yeah. I know it's mm-hmm. a very specific population, um, but it is certainly uh, a question that I think is worth asking because you know you are you are a regular um, I don't know say track athlete who is really good and is trying to make his national team or her national team to make it to Tokyo or to make it to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, you're away from family. You're, you're hopefully because there's also that issue. But hopefully, you're providing for yourself to where you're not, you know, um, being in financial difficulty. Um, but it is a very selfish uh, endeavor, right? And one that takes relationships somewhat away. You know, like of course the the whole cheesy thing of you don't get there by yourself is true but you are limiting at least the opportunity to have relationships beyond those that are needed for you to be able to perform so it is in a lot of ways it is a selfish activity um yeah. makes me wonder if that difference you know like if that difference is in is not enough to to say Hold on. I guess what I'm trying to say is even if there is, there might be this huge difference between work and, and sport, I wonder if it's still worthy of investigation to see if those athletes perceive meaning in what they're doing. Does it make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I think we can also kind of leave it open that there might be different ways of finding meaning from work or finding meaning from sports. So, Maybe for one athlete, it's very important that, for example, what you mentioned, maybe they are advancing a course they believe in when they are in the media. Maybe they want to be role models for for the young generation. Maybe they have some kind of vision how they want to develop the sport. So they are using their visibility to kind of help <laughs> develop the sport towards what they see would be a good thing. So maybe that is important for some, but maybe it's not for others. And I guess we cannot say that then by definition that cannot be meaningful. So I think that's more like a question of there are so many things that are interesting and, and, and should be explored further. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think in your introduction, you you made it very evident that there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this, in this, uh, on this topic for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll, if, if we can inspire anyone to, to, to join forces and do it, that, that would be a, a good, a good, a very good result of this podcast. Mm. And then from your research, I was also wondering that when you are talking about these age related differences in meaning in life, that, for example, young people would be more uh, kind of oriented towards the more hedonistic kind of achievement, uh, personal growth type of 
approaches or meanings, if, if we put it that way. And, and in your research, you are arguing that it's these kind of meanings that are more readily available in, in sports. So that's why it would attract uh, young people. But what about the older participants? What about the masters athletes or kind of what are your thoughts on that? There are so well, many questions. Nora, I, I can I can confess you that uh, if at the current state, I, if I was in an academic institution or if uh, research, if I was in a position in my life right now where research was the predominant thing, the first study I would do is exactly with master athletes because mm -hmm. that sort of defeats <laughs> um, how I tried to defend to my committee first, the scientific community later, uh, that this is worth investigating. I mean, as you mentioned, one of the ways in which I, I justified the importance of meaning in sport is that the research on meaning in life shows that more achievement-oriented uh, sources seem to provide meaning to young people. Uh, but there's all sorts of athletes uh, of all sorts of age. And mm -hmm. I'd be really, really curious to do even just like a, some kind of like maybe start qualitative, like with interviews to, you know, over 70s committed athletes and see mm -hmm. what their sport is to them, which we haven't mm -hmm. mentioned yet. But to me, that's the critical question. It's not really why they do their sport because um, the sources, if we can, if we can, if we can conceive that there are sources of meaning in sport, you can see how those might also be mo like motives, like they could cross. But to me, the, the question of what is your sport to you seems to be more directed to towards meaning. And I'd be so curious to ask that to a sizable group of master athletes. Yeah, I guess just to say like in, in my PhD research, I was I was interesting. The main concept I was looking at was spirituality, but from a broad perspective. So not just religious spirituality, but kind of involving this more humanistic understanding of that. And so I wasn't starting out with the focus of looking into aging, but actually that came a big part of my research because when you get older, if if you're a runner and now you realize that I'm not running any faster. Actually, I'm slowing down. I'm running slower than last year. And probably next year, I'm running even slower. And then it comes like almost an existential crisis. Like what's if I was driven to do a personal best or win? Well, most likely, I'm not going to do either one of these. So then it comes to question, like, what's the point? No, so, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And, and this resonates so well with me because... Water skiing as very akin to snow skiing is very approachable at all, at all ages. Uh, you can mm -hmm. start at two or three and you can start at 75 and still mm -hmm. water ski or snow ski. And, and certainly with, with age, there is a remarkable physical decline. Um, the cogn uh, there's cognitive decline. So it, it makes you wonder as you see performance going down what what do you see the point of the sport being um what what is the sport becoming to you now because clearly you're 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 still part of it mm. um and i wanted to tell you a, a little like a little nugget a little story um as i was 
trying to formalize my ideas early in my PhD, I had a colleague, uh, well, I, had, I was challenging colleagues to uh, challenge me on my concept. And I think it's a very healthy practice to do in a, in a scientific group. Um, and I kept asking, like this colleague was a former um, motocross rider, like of a high level. And I kept asking, what is your sport to you? Or what was your sport to you? And he kept giving me answers that were motives that you could frame within already um, widespread motivation theories in sports psychology. And then eventually he said something along the lines of that sense of freedom when you're um, basically cleaning a gap. So you're, you're taking off a, a ramp in, in, in motocross or a, or a pile of dirt and then you're in the gap and then you have to land in the in the slope of the following slope of the following um ramp and to him motocross was that and then he said that's not why i do it or why i did it but to me if i had to summarize what the sport was to me that was motocross mm -hmm. and that's when i realized it was one of those episodes where i realized okay i i might be onto something here it's not just something that could be explained by other theories that I am aware of in our field. So again, to reiterate, I would love to ask that question to, you know, anyone above the age of 70 that does competitive sports because it's a, it's a population, it's out there uh, in mm -hmm. all sorts of sports that we normally don't think about. Yeah, and, and there is also kind of growing interest in, in master's athletes, so in, in research perspective as well. And so, yeah, I, I think those are some of the questions from a meaning perspective that how sport has been culturally scripted as, as kind of project of achievement. You always aim to aim higher, like the whole Olympic motto is kind of saying that the point right. is to always get higher. What if you don't? And right. so also in in the live stories that i that i've uh done these live story interviews with runners like a lot of them then kind of redefined meaning of sport they were still kind of striving to do their best and and committed and engaged but kind of seeing that ultimately winning is not the point of sport anyway so yeah, yeah, yeah. i good, think those are point. some of the questions so we are talking now about the sources of meaning in life. What are your thoughts on what are kind of the threats to meaning in sport? If sport can be meaningful, it might also be meaningless. Like that's also a possibility out there. So what is meaningless sport? Just throwing it out there. Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, mm. Well, instinctively, so my instinct would be to say that sport in which like participation in sport that is solely related to performance I, I i feel like that would be meaningless but then i also feel guilty of saying that because maybe that's how the person sees their domain right so it's as i said instinctively that would be that would be my my answer of course there are uh, well-documented threats about that. Um, mm -hmm. Like the, if you are 
if you are very solely focused on performance at the expense of uh, relationships, at the expense of uh, sometimes physical and mental health, uh, emotional stability, uh, consequences might arise, such as, say, burnout, which, although not the same as dropout, may make you very likely to drop out of, the, of your sport. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you have been so focused on performance, then chances are that that's how you see yourself as the athlete of that sport. And now you find yourself without that identity and it can become sadly a, a, a downward spiral. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems to me that like, as let's say, if we stay strictly on motives uh, from, from even just like a self-determination theory perspective, if you are, if you have a, ver a variety of motives that are not just extrinsic, but also intrinsic, then your, your, your health, your mental health, your ability to perform, your longevity in the sport, they seem to be staying uh, at a better level. Um, the same to me seems to be true, although, again, more needs to be done in this area. It seems to be true about also uh, a presence of meaning. Um, mm. I feel that if sport is meaningless, eventually it disappears. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in sports psychology, there are so many studies that have been done on drop out from sport, for example. But I think these studies haven't been conceptualized from the meaning perspective. So maybe that will kind of help to identify different issues that are at play. So maybe that's again, we are here throwing future research ideas to whoever might be interested in this area. So Absolutely. we don't actually know so much about that. This is the end of the part one of our explorations of sport and meaning with Matteo. In the second part, we will move on to exploring his work in the area of questionnaire validation for understanding meaning in sport, as well as talk about the intervention work that he has done as a part of his doctoral research. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be great help for us we have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes so be sure to tune in thank you all for your support and have a great day